My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I am going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 40 fight card. We have Aspen Ladd versus Norma Dumont in the main event. Listen, card's not great. It's not bad. It's much better than last week's card. There's some interesting matchups. We crushed last week's card. We crushed the card before that, and we are riding high with a bunch of wins and a bunch of money. Honestly, the last six months, we've been absolutely untouchable, and let's hope we can keep that train rolling. Eventually, it's got to come to a stop, but so far, so good. We are riding high, making money on all of these. I'll walk through the entire card, our bets, our picks, our plays, fantasy, gambling, all of the above. We will get into every single one of these fights. Go to wewantpicks.com. We will have promos and matches for everything. Go there, get your free money. There's plenty of free money and options there. Get your free money, follow along, place some bets, make some monkey knife fight plays, whatever you want to do. First up, at UFC Vegas 40, we have Arneon Carnalozzi versus Estella Nunez. Carnalozzi, 13-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in her last five. Estella Nunez is only 7-1. and one. There's a typo. That says 17. That's my bad. 7-1 and one overall. She has 4-1 and one in her last five. It's an interesting fight. There's a lot of questions here, a lot of weird stuff going on. But first of all, Carnalozzi... Very aggressive, very strong. She is willing to get into a firefight. She's got very good takedown defense, very nice ground and pound if she does end up on top. I say if she ends up on top because she's not a wrestler and we don't really see her initiate takedowns very often at all. So sloppy, but crazy strong, super aggressive, can force the action basically however she wants to do it. Estella Nunez, she's coming off of a three-year layoff. Three years. A little, the, a little bit of that layoff is genuine, normal layoff stuff, but a giant portion of it is a USADA suspension. So there is a USADA suspension within that three-year break. So take that information, do with it what you want, whatever dots you want to connect. You want to make assumptions of how she'll look or not look after that. Very valid. I just have to assume that she'll be just as good now as she was before. That's all I can do when doing these breakdowns. But Yustata suspension, certainly a factor. And this is her UFC debut. Um, she does not have an enormous amount of MMA experience. Again, her record is 7-1, and one, not 17-1. and one. She does not have an enormous amount of MMA experience. But that's because she's a very good kickboxer with a kickboxing background. She's super fast, solid plower, incredible versatility in her striking. And she can throw kicks from anywhere to anywhere, meaning... She'll throw them from her hip. She'll throw them backing up. She'll throw them moving forward. And then she'll beat up your legs, your body, or your head. And she will do it stupid fast. You probably will not see it coming. Uh, she does have holes in her grappling. And that could potentially be an issue here. But like I mentioned, if Carnalozzi gets up on top, she's she's really tough on top. But we don't see her initiate grappling exchanges. So I don't know if she's going to shoot a takedown. We haven't seen a lot of that in the past. But if it does end up on the ground... I imagine Carnalozzi could stay on top and beat up, you know, Nunez from there. There's a lot of questions in this fight. There's too many questions for me to take a hard stand. There's way too many questions for Carnalozzi to be almost a two to one favorite. That's absurd to me. Uh, I think Carnalozzi, this fight, I think she's going to charge forward. She'll get into a firefighter, at least try to create one. Uh, and she could potentially will her way to a win. Get in there, make it sloppy, stay in her face, sort of force a win. Stay there, be busy, let the judges see Nunez backing up and just being on the wrong end of some grinding. 
Nunez is by far the more technical striker, the more accomplished striker. And if she can get into a rhythm, she should absolutely be able to work Carnalozzi with her speed and her accuracy. The layoff could be a problem. I talked about that in the past. Timing is an issue for strikers, right? Like I, I get it. And everybody's going to say, oh, Dominic, Dominic Cruz had a layoff and he was fine. Okay, there's there's always an example. There's always an anomaly, but long layoffs for strikers work a little differently than grapplers. The, the timing, that's just stuff you got to feel. That's just, you got to be in there. You got to be mixing it up. And let's hope that the last three years, she's been working out. She's been grinding. She's been making this happen, sparring, keeping that timing there, keeping the feel there, and sort of not falling behind, especially in the timing aspect of striking, because that is by far her biggest asset. This is such a hard pick, such a hard pick. And if Ariana Carnalozzi shot takedowns, it'd be a much easier pick for me. But the reality is she doesn't. She does like sloppy bullying, if you want to call it something. So I imagine most of this fight will take place on its feet. I think Carnalozzi... It's going to be on the wrong end of some of these exchanges. I think she may have some early success, some early bullying. Nunez will hit a rhythm, start to figure out the timing, the distance, and start to touch her up. So I like Nunez in this fight as an underdog. I don't like her enough to bet on her. And we always talk about that, right? Like, what's a pick if you're not going to... I don't like her enough to bet on her, but I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, Arnie Arclosi, two-to-one favorite. Yep, that's about right. Yeah, she's super strong. Look at her pictures. I, I do think... Nunez is super live here. The layoff worries me, but if we're just going, let's break this down logically. They are going to strike. These are two strikers. They're going to strike. One of them is an accomplished kickboxer that has high level experience in the striking world and has done well. The other one, super strong, charges forward, pretty sloppy. You got to go with the high level kickboxer, right? So lots of question marks, too many to take a real stand. I do like Nunez in this fight. I'm not going to put a money line bet on her, but I think I can find a way to make some money here. Whether I will do plus three and a half points, which means I will buy a single round on the judge's scorecard, which is always, that's always a great pick, especially if there's a close fight. All I would need Nunes to do is win one single round. Or I may do win inside the distance decision, no action. If I think Nunes is either going to lose a decision or knock out or stop Carnalozzi, then that's that's the bet to make because if she stops Carnalozzi, I'll get paid. If she loses a decision or ends up in some sort of decision, I'll get a refund, no bet, no skin off my back. I like to do those in some of these spots, so I probably will. I don't think that line dropped yet, but you are only going to find those crazy prop bets at wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have three different partners, three different promos with deposit matches. Bet online is the one with the great prop bets. Bet US is the one with the best parlay options. For looking at DraftKings, listen, it's tricky because if you're on the Carnalozzi side and you think she's going to go here and blow through Nunez, $8,500 is, is a decent price. I just, I don't see takedowns. Takedowns are five points. I don't really see a stoppage here from Carnalozzi. So if Carnalozzi wins, she'll be holding her against the cage, you know, sort of bully, sloppy, beat her up. I don't know if you'll get your money's worth for $8,500. $7,700, if you think Nunez is live, you know, that's a solid price. I, honestly, you shouldn't touch either one of them. What I do like, though, is the more and more a monkey knife fight. I think this probably goes a distance or close to it. 
and it's going to be a striking match. I think they'll both get their strikes off. I like them more and more and play those lines before they move because they do move as money comes in. So if you're watching this right now, have your phone up, have Monkey Knife Fight up. And if you like one, hit it because it may move any second now. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have Brandon Davis versus Dana Bagarai. I'm getting better at these names, guys. And this is not the first down, first time we've broken down Bagarai, but that's the name. And I nailed it. Congratulations to me. Brandon Davis, 14 and 8 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five, riding a four-fight win streak. Bagarai, 9 and 2 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five. This is actually Brandon's second run in the UFC. He went two and five about three years ago, right? That that was over the course of more than a year. So two to three years ago, he's in the UFC. He went two and five before he was cut, put together some solid wins, and now he's back. This is his first fight back in the second stint. If you look at those losses, he lost to some solid people, legit people. Giga Chikadze was his last loss in the UFC. That is holding up pretty well if we see Giga's body of work since then. But throughout he is, he lost five times in the UFC. He was obviously cut, put these last four wins together, which is the streak he's on now, and then he's come back. And he's come back to another really tough matchup. I mean, listen, he's a kickboxer. He has just okay takedown, but he does have a jujitsu black belt. So if it gets to the ground, he's comfortable. On his feet, with most opponents, he should be pretty comfortable. But he doesn't really have the wrestling. And this is a theme. And it's it's getting crazy where we see people that are accomplished on the ground and don't have the means to get there. I will never, ever understand that. As far as I'm concerned, you could have no striking, no grappling. But if you're a very good wrestler who can keep your chin down, you could at least win some rounds and make some things happen. Being great on the ground and not being able to get it there is stupid. Being great on the feet and not being able to stay there is stupid. I'm a wrestler and my bias is coming out. But Brandon Davis... Decent kickboxer, jujitsu black belt, nothing in between. Can't control if it's on his feet or goes to the ground. Bagarai is a very good striker. He comes forward with volume, speed, and power. His speed is definitely his biggest asset. If you look at his striking differential, he lands two to one, meaning he's going to hit you twice and only get hit once in those exchanges. He couples that speed with his power, and he's a legit threat on his feet. His takedown defense is just okay, but he does scramble really, really well and create openings to get back up. This is a much closer fight than the odds, and these odds are moving. He's a two-to-one favorite when I made this graphic yesterday, and those have creeped. I think he's closer to a three-to-one favorite now or 280, something to that effect. So this is widening, and he's becoming more and more of a favorite. And honestly, I am shocked because this is a closer fight than these odds. Not an even fight, but a closer fight than these odds. Uh, is coming off of a few beautiful knockouts. Brandon's coming off a pretty bad sort of streak before he was caught and then put together some wins, and, and now he's back here. I see Brandon losing the, the uh, exchanges on his feet. He's a better fighter on the ground, and that's that's his path to victory. Very clear path for him, um, especially because Bagarai's takedown defense is just okay. So it's not great. I wouldn't even say it's good, but it's it's just okay. Brandon Davis does not great wrestling. I wouldn't even say it's good, but it's also just okay. So Brandon's path to victory here is take Bagarai down, use that jiu-jitsu black belt. 
he's probably going to strike because I think he's, you know, if I have to pick, he's more of a kickboxer than a grappler. He's probably going to strike, and that could get him in some danger. Bagarai relies a lot on his speed and those scrambles to work back up. So if Brandon can lean on him, slow him down, take the speed away, take away the range by being in his face, then he can grind him down and work from there. Hang out, use the black belt, keep him down. I wouldn't even necessarily say work for a submission. I would I would say position over submission in these type cases because Bagarai is such a good scrambler. You don't want him to be able to create a scramble while you're working for a new position. And he works, he gets his way back up. If you get him to the ground, you want to keep him there and, and eliminate all of his tools and all of the threats. If Brandon had better takedown offense and he's like below 50%, if he had better takedowns, I would be very sure that somebody with his experience and yes, a lot of losses in the UFC, but tough competition with his experience and his pass and his, and this is his second stint in the UFC that he would lean on that. And I think he still will, will lean on it. I just don't know if it's enough. I really don't know if it's enough. Honestly, this is a very, very close fight. I don't trust the odds. Again, Bagarai is an actual sniper hammer threat on his feet. Brandon Davis capable on his feet. Good on the ground. This is all going to come down to Brandon Davis's wrestling. It has not been great in the past. Let's hope he's doing the right things. Let's hope he's as prepared as possible and can execute. Bagarai's the pick because his scrambles are so good and his takedown defense is pretty good. So pretty good defense or just okay takedown defense. But you couple that with the scrambles and he doesn't stay on the ground very long. I got to go with Dana as the pick. But there is some real value with Brandon Davis. If you think he's been working on that wrestling and you think he can get it to the ground, you know, I think uh, I think he's a solid pick. At $7,600 in DraftKings, if you believe in that and his wrestling, and because that's his path. I know he's a, he's a kickboxer, but his path is definitely on the ground. I, he's not going to win these exchanges, not with Bagarai's ridiculous speed and power. So Brandon Davis, if you trust the wrestling, go with him. I, I have to... I have to side with Dana here because of the scrambling abilities. He'll get taken down, but I think he'll pop back up, scramble, make things happen. Brandon Davis, 7,600 bucks. He'll probably score some decent points with some takedowns in the mix, even in a loss. He's worth a look if you like that. And there may be some opportunities here. There may be some opportunities here. Brandon Davis wins inside the distance. Decision, no action. He's a tough guy. Maybe he can, you know, catch Bagarai in a submission or survive on his feet. Make something happen there. You could just grab him at money line. I don't know if I trust that necessarily, but plus three and a half is probably a safe bet. And I haven't done these, so you'll have to watch our full betting breakdown to see what I actually committed to. This is just sharing information and brainstorming with you here. But he may be able to steal around with a takedown and some control, if not win the whole fight. So I will probably end up doing a plus three and a half bet on Brandon Davis. Potentially, all I need him to do is win a single round. So we'll see what those odds are when they drop. Sometimes you can get, you know, he's plus 160 now. Maybe I can get that at plus 120. And it's a nice insurance bet. All I need is one round instead of the whole fight. So either way, this actually should be a pretty competitive fight if Brandon Davis sticks to a solid game plan. If he wants to mix it up on his feet, I'm sure he'll be on the wrong end of a, of a beating and be outstruck two to one. As the stats say, we want picks.com slash bets to grab a promo. If we're looking at monkey knife fight, I don't know what to do with this line. A hundred strikes for Bagarai. I mean, he's got enough power that if he lands a hundred, 
it's going to be a bad, bad night for Brandon Davis. So I would say the less on that. I'll say the less on that because I don't think he's going to land 100 because he's got so much power that, you know, that'll be a problem. It, these line up with his differential, right? He lands two and only gets hit once. That's 94 to 48. But I would say the less on Bagarai and, and maybe the more on Brandon Davis if he gets to implement that wrestling. So less more is probably a pretty safe play. Um, and literally only because if Bagarai lands 94 and a half, you've got to imagine he has Brandon Davis in a world of trouble because he's got power and speed. And many times speed becomes power because you don't see those strikes coming and they work you over pretty bad. Less more is probably the monkey knife fight play. I'll see what I do. I might do a plus three and a half on Brandon Davis. We want picks.com slash MKF for your free monkey knife fight deposit match. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have Ludovic Klein versus Nate the Train Landwehr. This is one where I wish Nick was with us. He's just so freaking busy. But uh, Nick does a very awesome Nate the Train in the southern accent. And that's his buddy back from the XFC when they both were fighting there. Uh, go back and watch our last breakdown if you want to hear Nick yell Nate the Train. Um, and this honestly is a fight where a hype man would be awesome because this will be a war. I imagine this is going to be a really fun drag him out fight. Ludovic Klein, 17 and three overall, four and one in his last five. And he's coming off of a somewhat controversial loss. A lot of people think he won that last fight, which will make him five and oh in his last five. Nate Landwehr, 14 and four overall, three and two in his last five. And every single one of those was entertaining as hell to watch. Ludovic is a phenomenal striker. He's smooth, he's fast, he's accurate. He's big for this weight class. He has missed weight in the past, but I think that should be under control at this point. Uh, he has fantastic kicks, and that was very obvious when he was riding a three-fight head kick knockout streak before his last fight. Uh, considering how good his striking is, his last fight was an interesting one because he had four takedowns. Uh, he didn't win every striking exchange, and he was backing up a good amount, but he had four takedowns in his last fight. So this guy who we know is a phenomenal striker and incredibly smooth on his feet, all of a sudden introduced a new element to his game with four takedowns. And if you're watching, you know, or sorry, if you're playing DraftKings, that's 20 points just from the takedowns, not including anything else that happens. And that's another nice little tool that he has in his back pocket. Nate Landwehr is a definition of feast or famine. He will go out there, be busy as hell, run forward, throw wild, and look for a finish at all costs. He's a talented guy with power and skills, but he's almost too focused on putting on a show, too focused on being exciting, too focused on being this Nate the Train character. Uh, and he puts himself in harm's way many times for no reason. He's never been in a boring fight. I don't think this one will be boring either. But I just, you know, some of the decisions Nate makes in a fight, as a fan, I love it. Go ahead, get in that war. But as somebody who likes to put money on fights, I don't know if I can trust all of those decisions. Anytime you have somebody like Nate with his crazy forward pressure, you can always have an upset, right? He can go out there, charge Ludovic, crack him, put him out, fights over, Nate the train screaming, yelling, running around the cage. Anytime you have that type of wild and that type of pressure, that's absolutely a possibility. But Ludovic's footwork is so good and so clean, and he has legitimate power. He should be able to circle away from the crazy, land big, and those will add up. I think Ludovic Klein's going to get a stoppage here at some point, 
And it's literally going to be his footwork and just how smooth his movements are to make that happen. Ludovic Klein, his striking is phenomenal. Obviously, again, you get the wild, the crazy of somebody like Nate. Anything's possible, but let's assume we have a pretty straightforward fight and they both fight to their best of their abilities. And if that's the case, Ludovic Klein's striking footwork, he will just absolutely dance around Nate and just bang him over the head any chance he gets. $9,200 is a lot of money, but I will probably have him in my DraftKings lineup. I do think there's a stoppage here. He's a minus 300 favorite. We'll have to see what some of those props are. If you're looking to, if you're looking to bet on this fight, Nate is a tough guy, but you know, he's just going to be way outclassed here. So I, I think it's a pretty cut and dry win, honestly, for Ludovic Klein. And his last fight, we talked about a little bit of controversy. He had four takedowns there. He was outstruck. If you look at the total number of strikes, he was outstruck. But he had four takedowns, had some control. You know, I think he lost, but a lot of people think he won that fight. So, you know, either way, this should be a pretty good fight. Uh, I think Nate's line is too high because I do think he gets stopped. So this may be a more on uh, Ludovic and a less on Nate type situation or a less less, right? If you think this goes three rounds, then it's Ludovic dancing around just beating up Nate. If you think this is sort of a two-round, it's mostly that, and Ludovic's going to catch him. So less-less is probably the pay. 54 is not a ton of strikes, but less-less is probably the play because Ludovic's, I imagine, is going to move out of the way and just crack Nate a few times, or not even move out of the way. He might just stand there, and as, as Nate's coming in wild, just crack him. So less-less is probably the play. There's probably going to be a stoppage here, and I think Ludovic's great for knockout kings. And that's Monkey Knife Fight. We own picks.com slash MKF. Super easy, super fun. You can triple your money with plays all the way up to 25 times your money if you want to smash some of them together. And all you got to do is look at these strike lines and pick a side. We own picks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have Sajara Eubanks versus Luana Carolina. Sajara Eubanks, seven and six overall, three and two in her last five. Luana. Four and one in her last five. Also seven and two overall. Sajara, you know, listen, I gave her a very hard time going into her last fight. She was six and six going into her last fight. She's now seven and six. You dig deeper. It's a tough, tough record, meaning like all of her losses are tough people, but this is still the best organization on planet Earth. And I'm surprised they let her at one point have a losing record before she worked her way up to six and six and now seven and six. Either way, this is uh, Sajara's second fight at flyweight. She is not a small person. And this is crazy because she is almost 40 and it's her second fight at this weight class. But it did serve her well because she fixed a lot of her cardio issues. She is better than her record. She's very strong. She has very good wrestling um, and a, a solid BJJ black belt. The last breakdown, we talked about how she has no cardio and that's going to be an issue. You just got to weather the initial storm, but she seemingly fixed that cardio. She did not have cardio issues in her last fight. Grappling is always her path to victory. It's also the most exhausting aspect of MMA. And, you know, if we're only looking at her last fight, she's fixed her cardio issues. It won't be a problem. If we're looking at her last four fights or five fights, well, four fights, she had bad cardio and one fight, she had good cardio. So it's always hard. You know, this is absolutely a, what have you done for me lately sport? But I do think 
cardio will be in the back of of certainly my mind and probably some others when we're looking at this fight because she is big, she is older, and she's cutting a lot of weight. She already had cardio issues. Those things together could create a problem. Luana Carolina is primarily a striker. Isn't the most technical with her punches, but is fantastic in the clinch with knees and elbows. She has a Muay Thai style without the Muay Thai stance. So great knees, great elbows, great clinch, but she doesn't have the traditional Muay Thai plot forward stance. You know, it's more, uh, she has a more kickboxing stance, not the high guard Muay Thai stance with constantly lifting her knees or anything like that. Um, even though she's a striker, her, her takedown defense is very good. It is at 90%. And when she does get taken down, she is busy and does look for submissions. Listen, if she gets taken down by Sajara, I don't imagine she's going to get a submission. And that's probably a big, big, big problem for her. Uh, these odds are crazy, though. Listen, I, I know Sajara looked great in her last fight. I know I just said this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. Um, and she does have a very misleading record right? Those six losses are against very good fighters in that division. She's barely over 500, but again, she has fought some of the best of the best, gotten looks at all of them, done fairly well, at least had moments in those fights. The reality is that Sajara has had cardio issues in most fights. She's closer to 40 than 30. She's not a great striker, even though she's great on the ground and she is quote unquote, a good wrestler. She only gets 47% of her takedowns. Luckily for anybody who bets on her, she just continues looking for takedowns. So eventually she'll get them. Uh, so I do think, despite everything I just said, <laughs> that Sajara is going to win. We do have striker versus grappler. There is a 90% takedown defense in there. But, you know, against who? Against who? And that's where stats can be misleading. Um I'm going to figure out a way to make some money here. I don't know what the bet would be because Sajar is such a big favorite. Um, and I think Luana's live, not, not necessarily to win because she would basically have to fight a perfect fight to win this. And maybe she can, right? Maybe she can defend all the takedowns and just blast her on her feet, hammer her in the clinch when she comes in. But, um, you know, I think Sajara will probably get it to the ground. Probably controlled there. She's super strong, super big. Let's assume the cardio is fixed. So Sajara should get it done. But Luana in the clinch, real deal. Striking, good power, good movement. And if Sajara is going to come in with some of these sloppy takedowns, Luana can make her pay with knees and elbows. So do I think Sajara is going to win? Yes. Do I think it should be minus 250 to plus 200? Absolutely not. I think it should be closer than that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I am not going to bet Luana Moneyline, but maybe, again, there's one of those prop bets to look at, whether I can buy a round. I don't know. I'll take a look. I just, I, I think the biggest problem with doing any money on Luana, even with those safety net prop bets, is if Sajara gets her down, that might be it. She might keep her there and then submit her, right? If I was positive Luana could survive and, you know, lose a decision then I would do the wins inside a distance decision, no action. But either way, this will be, to me, this is Sajara Eubanks' most important fight ever. Because if she wins this fight, she is the real deal. She's on a nice little streak. She's at a new weight class and proved that she can do well at that weight class. 
and then we'll know for sure. Two fights in a row, great cardio, then we know those problems are gone. So should be an interesting fight. $9,000? Absolutely not. Never. I'm never spending $9,000. And I know that sounds stupid considering how many points she scored in her last fight. I don't love it for this fight. Monkey knife fight, I'm not going to touch because I don't know how this fight's going to go. Probably the more and more, but that's still a lot of strikes. We'll see what happens. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have Ramazan Amiv versus Danny Roberts. Ramazan is 20-4 and four overall, 4-1 four and one in his last five. Danny Roberts is 17-5 and five overall, 3-2 and two in his last five. We have another long layoff here. Danny Roberts has not fought in two years. He had a bunch of fights scheduled over the last year or two, uh, and they were all canceled for different reasons. Danny has solid boxing and footwork. He throws very hard and has the power to KO anybody in that division. His takedown defense is not great, and his takedown offense is even worse at only 6% accuracy. That's got to be one of the lowest in that division, if not in the UFC. Uh, considering striking is his path to victory here, and he had a two-year layoff, could be an issue. This is kind of an uphill battle because, as we mentioned before, I personally feel that ring rust is a very real thing when we talk about strikers and timing because that is a feel thing, right? You got to feel that timing, see the timing, and there's no better way to get the timing than to actually be in there getting in the rounds, getting in those fights. Ramazan Emiv is a very well-rounded fighter. He's a solid kickboxer who will chain wrestle when needed. His takedown stats are not great. But that's because of the chain wrestling, right? You miss two takedowns, you get the third. You shoot, he whizzers. You switch to the other leg. He comes up, you drop back down to the hips. Three attempts, only one takedown. That will skew your stats. Um, uh, I will say he's more of a kickboxer than a grappler, but his ability to flow between the two is why uh, he's such a favorite here. I mean, minus 225, that's, that's probably pretty close to accurate. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of power, so this fight goes one of two ways. Either Roberts by KO or Amiv by decision. I like Amiv here and his ability to dictate where the fight goes. I like the um, you know, the fact that if the striking's not going his way, takes it down. If the striking is going his way and he doesn't really need to do anything, he can keep it there. Even if Danny Roberts and his 6% takedown offense or effectiveness comes in on the hips, comes in on the legs, Amiv will definitely... Keep that up if he wants to. I see, uh, you know, I see Amiv winning this fight. I think the odds are pretty accurate. Like I said, Danny Roberts can knock anybody out. He's got the power. It's very real. But the reality is, if if Ramazan gets himself into some trouble, doesn't like how the exchanges are going, he could absolutely switch it up, change the pace. He does not have power, though. There is no power there. And that is... You know, that's why I don't really see a stoppage on the Amiv side, but Danny Roberts has a potential for a stoppage, which is why this is a perfect candidate for the wins inside the distance decision, no action prop bet for Danny. He's plus 190. He'll probably get plus 120, 130 on that. If he wins inside the distance, that, that phenomenal power comes up, cracks Amiv, gets it done, I get paid. If he loses a decision, gets grinded out, gets beat on, no matter how badly, as long as he loses a decision or even wins a decision for that matter, I'll get a refund. I get my money back. It's like a bet never happened. No big deal. I just did the same exact thing with Charles Rosa last week. 
I said he's always live for a submission, but he's a durable guy. I don't see a stoppage here. I did that bet. Charles Rosa lost a decision, and I got a refund. Nothing happened. All my money back, no big deal. So I think Danny Roberts is probably a good play for that bet, and I love those safety net prop bets. It is very easy to chase plus 400, plus 300. And, and you may say, oh, you know, if I get Ramazan, you think he'll win by decision. Let me do Ramazan wins by decision, and maybe I'll get plus 100. And that's not terrible. That's the more likely outcome, but there's no real insurance there, right? He could still get knocked out. There's not really a ton of insurance there. And, and honestly, it's probably not going to be plus 100. But anyway, long story short, I like those safety net props. I like to find guys who have a path to victory, but are pretty tough. I like to find the guys that can steal around, right? It's a close fight. The odds are a little crazy. They can steal around. And those plus three and a half bets, those win inside the distance decision, no action bets are the way to do that. So we'll do the full betting guide on Friday, but you will, you know, you may or may not see this one on there. I'll have to dig a little closer, see what the odds are. We want picks.com slash bets. Bet online is the promotion that has those really fun prop bets. $9,100 and $7,100. I don't like, I mean, maybe $9,100 for a Meave because there could be some takedowns, some control time, and he could score a good amount of points there. I don't like the 7,100 for Danny Roberts because I don't think he's going to win. I think he's going to lose. He will probably lose. But there's always that possibility for a knockout, which is why the bet makes a little more sense. But I'm not going to spend – I only get six slots in DraftKings. I'm not going to waste an entire slot on a Hail Mary knockout. Uh, I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. The strike line, honestly, it's not a terrible strike line. Um you know, I I think it's probably the more and more because I do think this this more than likely goes to a decision. So the more and more is probably the the uh, the play to make here because Danny Roberts is a striker, so there will be some striking there. Uh, Ramzan Amiv will strike first if he takes it to the ground. He'll get some strikes in there as well, so he shouldn't have a problem with the twenty more strikes than Roberts has. So I like the more and more here. I think that will happen. Uh, I'm actually pretty confident in that. So I would play that one. Uh, as soon as you can before Chris moves these lines because these lines do move with the money. So I'd play that before the money comes in and moves it because I think there's going to be a good amount of more and more on that. We want picks.com slash MKF to play those lines. It is super easy and you will get a $100 deposit match. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have Bruno Silva versus Andrew Sanchez. Bruno Silva, 20 and six overall, five and oh in his last five. Riding a nice little streak there. Andrew Sanchez, 12 and six overall, three and two in his last five. And they're both coming off very different fights. Andrew Sanchez coming off a really bad knockout. It was about eight, nine months ago, which some will argue is too soon. Eight, nine months is probably the appropriate amount of time for a knockout like that. Three is too soon. Six is probably too soon. Eight, nine is a good amount of time to recover from a, from a knockout that bad. A year would be amazing, but. You know, the guy's got to earn a living, but he is coming off a pretty bad knockout. Uh, he is an ultimate fighter winner, and he did that with his grappling and ground control. He's okay everywhere, right? He's a pretty good striker, pretty good takedowns, sets a pretty good pace. Uh, he's not amazing at any one thing, but he has had success because he can follow multiple paths to victory. If he needs to grapple, he can grapple. If he can, If he needs to strike, he'll strike. And he can switch between those two. So he's a pretty well-rounded guy. Again, jack-of-all-trades, not amazing 
at anything. He's good enough to beat the people that he should and not good enough to beat the people that he shouldn't. For example, he beat Wellington Terman and lost to Marvin Vittori. And what's interesting about the Marvin Vittori loss is he lost a kickboxing match. There were zero takedowns in that fight whatsoever. Zero. So Marvin Vittori, who we know as a very good grappler who likes to take people down and ground and pound and beat them up down there, didn't have to take Andrew Sanchez down. He won sort of a kickboxing match. And the only two takedown attempts in that entire fight were on the Andrew Sanchez side. So again, good at everything, not great at anything. Going to beat the people you know, at the lower end of the division and lose to the people at the higher end of the division. His takedown defense is listed at 100%, but that is misleading because, you know, he hasn't actually needed to defend a lot of takedowns, right? You defend a handful of takedowns that were half shots, not full commitments. All of a sudden you have 100% takedown defense. So that is a little bit inflated. Bruno Silva come, came back after a multiple year layoff because of PEDs. And anytime that happens, there's always questions. What will somebody look like after that type of suspension? What will they look like assuming they're off the juice? And even though he got into some trouble, he beat Wellington Terman. So going into that last fight, lots of questions. What is he going to look like? There's a suspension here. Let's assume he's not in the juice anymore. He came in there and he beat Wellington Terman. He did get in a little bit of trouble in the grappling exchanges. He was able to survive those and he got it done. And all of his wins are by KO or TKO because he has insane power. But what's interesting is you assume, oh, KO, TKO, he's knocking everybody out on their feet. No. He has knockouts on his feet, and he's also a savage ground and pound her. If he takes you down, he will just beat you up. He will go hard, elbows in the face, punches in the face, not really looking for submissions, just looking to work from there, and he's very, very effective. The power that he can get on top on the ground is incredible. It's it's honestly pretty special to see that type of power. Traditional ground and pound is busy, busy. The Mark Coleman ground and pound, right? Busy, busy, elbow, little punch, elbow, little punch. Get them down, beat them up, wears on their face over time. These are big, heavy shots on top, and they work, and that's where these knockouts and these TKOs are coming from. He is a perfect play for knockout kings in monkey knife fight. If you don't know what that is, you basically pick any three fighters on the card. Any three. doesn't matter how big a favorites they are or who they're fighting. You could even pick two people in the same fight. Any three fighters on the card, if one of them wins by KO or TKO, you get a 25% net profit return. If two of them, you can get two and a half times your money. Three, I believe it's six times your money. Throw Bruno Silva in there. You're almost guaranteed to at least get one. And I like that. Conservative, I'll take 25% all day, every day. Bruno Silva is legit. Andrew Sanchez, very well-rounded, very versatile. The big question mark here is how good is that takedown defense? Is it actually 100%? Meaning, is he going to defend takedowns from everybody? Or is it sort of inflated because there's not a lot of body to work with, meaning a lot of fights to work with stat-wise? We dig in a little bit. So that's the one question mark in this fight is can Andrew Sanchez actually defend all these takedowns? But the reality is he has a bit of a suspect chin. Bruno Silva's got crazy power in his feet, crazy power on the ground, good grappling, good wrestling. I see Bruno Silva winning this fight at minus 135. I will probably put a money line bet on him. I like those odds. I'd probably do a money line all the way up to like minus 150. After that, I don't really like to, you know, 
Personally, I'm super conservative. That's why I'm up money every single week. I'm not up 30 units a week because I'm not chasing giant payouts, but I'm up two to three units every single week, four to five bets that I'm pretty confident in, and it and it usually works itself out. So this is one where Bruno Silva minus 135, I would money line that. Bruno Silva minus 160, I probably would not money line that, even though I do think that's probably a solid, you know, I, I think Bruno Silva winning this is, I'm, I'm very confident in that. I'm surprised we've been talking a lot on this card how off the odds were. I think these odds were off too, but just in our favor if you like Bruno Silva. Pretty straightforward. He will be in my DraftKings lineup. $8,300 I think is a phenomenal price for somebody that has that kind of power, that kind of stoppage ability, like a phenomenal price. And honestly, let's say the less, less a monkey knife fight. 47 for uh, Sanchez is not a lot of strikes, but let's say the less, less. I think, you know, I, I don't, imagine this is going to go an incredibly long time if it does though bruno silva does have some cardio he does have the ability despite all these stoppages he does have the ability to fight the distance to really go he doesn't gas that hard so i like bruno silva here 100 percent. he'll be in my DraftKings lineup i will probably have a money line bet on him honestly after i record this I'll hit up the sports book and, and see what those odds are. Um, it is moving, so hopefully it didn't move too far for me. I might check out a wins inside the distance, but again, I'm super conservative. It's possible. You know, Andrew Sanchez does have a suspect chin, but he's a capable guy, and it's possible he can survive, steal around, something like that, right? Stifle some of Bruno's offense and make this go to a decision. So we'll see what happens with the bets, but I'm very confident in Bruno. I love him in Monkey Knife Fight. I'm pretty confident in the less, less, or sorry, I love him in DraftKings, and I'm pretty confident in the less, less for Monkey Knife Fight. WeWantPicks.com slash bets will get you the betting promos slash MKF will get you the Monkey Knife Fight deposit match. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have the main card opener. We have Julian Marquez versus Jordan Wright. Julian Marquez, nine and two overall, four and one in his last five. Jordan Wright, 12 and one overall. Three, one, and one in his last five. Tough fight to call, but let's break it down and make a choice. Julian is a pretty well-rounded guy. He has a great chin, mediocre cardio. It's not great. It's not miserable. Mediocre cardio. <laughs> Honestly, it's the best way I could put it. So he is going to slow down. Is he going to completely gas and give up? Absolutely not. But he is going to slow down on you. He's incredibly tough. And I want to say feast or famine because all nine of his wins are by finish. But if you look at his loss, his loss is, uh, he's tough. He hangs in there. He'll get beat on and he'll just ride it out. And he's really tough. So he's not famine, meaning he's going to go out there, get knocked out or knock you out. And that's it. He'll put you away or lose a decision. If you care only about what's happening, you know, his 11 fight career, um, you know, and actually between both these guys, neither one of them have ever seen or sorry, have ever won a decision. Julian's boxing is pretty good. It's his primary weapon. Uh, more often than not, he'll plot forward landing punches, back you up until you're worn down without a real sense of urgency. He doesn't, you know, you'll, you'll see clips of him online and you'll see him throwing, looking for that finish. And, and he gets the finish nine times. But if you watch the whole fight, he just plots forward. No real sense of urgency, not throwing crazy, not forcing anything, just coming forward. And if there's an opening, he'll take it. But plot is the best word. He plots forward, just slowly marches forward, essentially. Um, 
he uh when there's an opening for grappling he will take it uh he's a very opportunistic opportunistic grappler meaning he never really initiates the grappling takedowns and that's evidenced by his zero takedowns in the ufc uh but if one is presented to him he will take it and just watch how he put sam malvia out cold that was a super slick and brutal at the same time again he didn't initiate that grappling exchange but he certainly capitalized on it and made something happen. Um, and he also had that nice come-from-behind submission over Maki. So Julian Marquez, no real sense of urgency, never out of a fight. We've seen him with comeback wins. Good chin, solid power, mediocre cardio. Jordan Wright has a 100% finish rate in 13 fights. Even his one loss, he was stopped. So he so far, is a feast or famine fighter. He's a big guy with a lot of power, a lot of speed. He has a karate style with grappling skills, so he has that wide stance with the lower hands, sort of that bouncing karate style. He uses kicks really well, and that's both straight and spinning. He'll send nice straight kicks right up the middle, and then he'll also start spinning around, kick you in the stomach, come to the head, and try to make things happy there, or sorry, happen there, similar to Julian, he doesn't look to wrestle. He has zero takedowns in the UFC, but he is tricky on the ground and in scrambles. His record is a bit hollow if you start digging into it and then digging into those people's records, uh, but you can't deny his killer instinct. He is a very busy guy. If you look at his significant strikes landed per minute, he is over seven, where Julian is around four, so almost twice as many significant strikes landed per minute. Uh, and Julian's four, that's a normal number. The seven is the crazy number. So super busy and all of those significant is what that's telling you. The only problem with that stat uh, for Jordan is he gets hit just as much. So crazy significant strike offense, right? Seven per minute and just as much defense. He gets hit seven per minute. So one for one on that volume there. Uh, he's so willing to chase a stoppage and he'll put himself in harm's way. And that that's what that stat is telling you. Honestly, this might be the toughest fight on the entire card to pick. We have two talented guys. They're willing to go at it. And neither one have been really tested. They've been tested, right? But neither one have been in like an absolute drag them out war against another super talented fighter. And that's what makes this tough. Julian's the more well-rounded fighter for sure. And we've seen him have come from behind victories or we've seen him also survive. We haven't seen that yet with Jordan. Jordan's the more dangerous fighter for sure. Absolutely 100% the more dangerous fighter. Busier, more sense of urgency. will make things happen while Julian will take his time, fall behind that, you know, fall behind and then pull off a Hail Mary to get it back like with Maki. But you know, how often are you going to rely on falling behind and then uh, trying to make up that distance? Jordan's a tornado looking to create as much chaos as possible. I want to say Jordan here because Julian tends to take his time, falls behind, then settles in and tries to make something happen. I, I you know, and I don't know if Jordan is going to give Julian the time to settle in. He might stay in his face the whole time and Julian's, just sort of getting beat up at seven strikes, seven significant strikes per minute and not able to jump out in fright, not in front, not able to plot forward, just sort of reacting to everything. But Julian's chin is so good that he definitely 
not definitely, but I'm I'm pretty sure he can survive that Jordan Wright onslaught. And if this goes three rounds, Julian will be able to sort of pass up Jordan, keep the fight going, frustrate Jordan, and you know, and he's got more ways to win. This is a really, really, really tough fight to pick. I think these odds are crazy, honestly. Julian's the more well-rounded guy. Julian has more ways to win. He's established how tough he is. But Jordan Wright is so dangerous, so unorthodox, so busy that he could come out there, get in Julian's face, frustrate him, scare him, back him up, just really never give him the opportunity to make something happen. What we don't know is what is Jordan going to look like as the fight goes on. That's the big question to me is what is Jordan going to look like as the fight goes on if he doesn't get that early knockout? Can he win a decision? We haven't seen Julian win a decision either, but we've seen him go to a decision, try to make things happen. So listen, my brain is saying Julian's the pick. That's my brain. My heart, my gut is saying Jordan. So do with that what you will. I'm not going to bet on either one of these guys, but I will bet the over. I already bet it, not will. I already bet the over. It's a one and a half round line at even money. I took that. So I got the over at even money. I do think this goes over one and a half rounds. Julian has established how tough he is. He's got a chin. You know, the the, the reason it's so difficult is I, I do think Julian is going to survive the early onslaught. We just don't know if there's another onslaught or another onslaught or another onslaught after that because we've only seen Jordan put people away with the first one. So, you know, Julian's the safer pick because let's say he survives and then he could take over because let's say Jordan's a earlier bust kind of guy. But if he's not an earlier bust kind of guy and he does have that energy, that volume, and can make that happen for two rounds more, then he's going to be a big, big problem for Julian and everybody else he fights. So I like the over on rounds. I already bet that at even money. It's only one and a half rounds. And I don't know what the stat is, but it's got to be 80 something percent of fights go over one and a half rounds. So I like that fight wise. I was split down the middle. I'm sorry that I'm not going to, you know, throw a flag in the ground and, and claim a side. It's just so tough. And, you know, frankly, if I got to make a pick, it's Julian. But super sneaky, uh, Jordan as the underdog, plus 165 is tempting, though. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give into it. I do think both these guys at their DraftKings prices are solid, right? If Jordan wins and wins early, $7,400 is going to look amazing. If Julian rides out a wave and then grinds out a win and makes it happen and has that toughness and forces something, $8,800 is not going to be bad. So either one of these guys is good for your DraftKings on whatever side you're on. Monkey knife fight, probably the more, more. Honestly, it's odd that Julian has so many strikes because he tends to plot and be a little slower. The more, more is probably it. I do think this fight goes a little bit. And even if it ends in the second round at some point, 35 strikes is nothing for a wild Jordan who has seven significant strikes per minute. Seven times five is 35. He'll get out of the first round with 35. So 100% more on Jordan. Julian's line's a little tougher, but I think it's more there as well. Hit that line before it moves because it does move with the money. We on picks.com slash MKF, and they will instantly match your deposit up to $100. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, 
we have the rebooked. The rebooked. We've broken this fight down several times. Well, let's do it again. The rebooked Manon Ferro versus Myra Bueno Silva. We have broken this fight down a few times, but Manon Ferro, 7 and 1 overall, 5 and 0 oh in her last five. Myra Bueno Silva, 7 and 1, and is 3 1 and 1 in her last five. Here we are again. Before I jump into the styles and the pick, I just wanted to touch on the odds and the DraftKings numbers because these have changed. And what I always love is looking at these rebooked fights because when you get a rebooked fight, so this was just, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, they were supposed to fight. Then there was a COVID scare on man inside one of her coaches, so it was canceled. But what is cool about that is Vegas got to see where the money was going DraftKings got to see sort of what Vegas thought and got to see the the uh, percentage of people that drafted Manon and Myra. And now, and the fight never happened, so there was no outcome. We don't know what it was going to look like. And now they get to redo the line. They basically get a do-over. They get a do-over. They put it out there. They saw what the market did to it. They didn't have to pay anybody. And now they get to go out there with a better line. The second line out is always the better line because they saw what the market did to it. So we have Manon at a minus 200 favorite. She was a minus 220 favorite. Oh, no, sorry. She was a minus 230 favorite last time. And these lines are moving depending when you're watching this. But at this time, Manon is minus 200 and when this was booked last time, she was minus 230. So less of a favorite than she was the first time out. And DraftKings made the same decision. Last time out, she was $9,100. Now she's $8,900. So DraftKings and Vegas, the market, saw money come in. And it was coming in on Myra. Not enough to make her the favorite, but enough to make uh, Manon less of a favorite and bring her line down. So I always like seeing that, not the line move, but I always just like seeing what Vegas will do their second time out and what decision they'll make. So for what it's worth, it seems like a lot of people were coming in, putting a little bit of money on Myra to drive the lines down and uh, fix that for you. And honestly, if you love Manon, great. Great. You'll get better odds on her and a cheaper DraftKings price. But for whatever reason, last time the market said, yeah, she's a favorite, just not as big as you think she is. So, Manafro beat Jacobs very for not my lock of the week, Jacobs lock of the week. She has lots of experience, even with her short record. She's a nasty striker with killer instinct and finishing power. Even when she gets taken down, she has solid fight IQ and she works back up immediately. She knows exactly what to do, where to be. I don't want to be here. I'm a nasty striker. Get me back to my feet. And she does do that. Uh, this is a good step up in competition for her. She likes to fight at range and she picks her shots, but she picks her shots often, meaning she puts up good numbers. She is busy, but she's not throwing re reckless abandon. She's focusing on what she's doing and she does it really, really well. Uh, she has one of the most impressive striking differentials I have ever seen. For every eight significant strikes that she lands, she is hit less than twice. Less than twice. She will hit you eight times and you won't even hit her twice. That is incredibly impressive. Myra, on the other hand, she'll land four and get hit five times. Very different. 
very different strike differentials between them. Uh, Myra Brennan Silva, she's also a pretty good striker. She's got solid power. She's got good kicks. She likes charging forward and then throwing from there. Uh, she's a good grappler. And I'm thinking she's going to get picked apart on her feet and then look to grapple. The problem is her wrestling is not great. And that is a theme. How many times have we talked about these people that do have good grappling and not very good wrestling, so they can't even get it to the ground if they need to. Um, but if she gets it to the ground, we have confidence in Manon's ability to pop back up because we've seen that before. Uh, I'm not sure that Myra can even get her there. That is likely her path. But listen, Myra's big, strong. Definitely tough. I mean, this is a this is a real fight for Manon. This isn't, you know, this isn't as hollow or, or as easy as some of her past fights, but such a killer on her feet. So much power, so accurate. She's so impressive. Striking that you got to go with Manon. She will be in my DraftKings lineup. 8900 bucks. I love it. I love it. I like the line move down. I'm not going to spend minus 200. I don't spend that on, on pretty much anybody, but I do like that it's a started as a lower line right now as we're watching this, uh, you know, who knows, but I like that it started as a lower line because there was some opportunities there. So we'll see with prop bets. I don't know what I'm going to do here, but uh, I do like the more, more on monkey knife fight. Myra's tough. Manon's got crazy volume. I like the more, more there. I told you I like Manon at 8,900, my DraftKings lineup. So we on picks.com, grab a promo. If there's a bet that you like, let me know. I always love tagging along if there's some solid stuff out there. But basically, same fight, same breakdown, a little bit better odds, a little bit better everything if you're on the Man of side. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we've got Jim Miller versus Eric Gonzalez. Jim Miller, 32 and 16. What a career that guy's had. He is only two and three in his last five. Eric Gonzalez, 14 and five overall, four and one in his last five. Listen, Jim Miller's a legend, and everybody knows that. He has multiple records in the UFC for longevity, most amount of fights, most octagon time, all, all that stuff. The guy's got a ton of records as far as durability and consistency is concerned. He's a very good grappler. He has clean boxing. Just okay wrestling, better than some of the people I've been complaining about, but it's just okay. Uh, he has all of the veteran savvy toughness and grit you could ever want from a fighter. And I mean, look at his record and then dig into who he's fought, who he's beat, who he's lost to, all of that. I mean, Dustin Poirier will tell you that Jim Miller lit up his calf, beat him up bad, on, you know, in the legs. And that's when Dustin was like, that's nasty. I got to start doing that. And then Dustin did it to Connor, and now calf kicks are like the biggest thing in the world. So Jim Miller, true legend, tough as hell, nasty grappler, okay wrestling, decent striking, decent striking. It's clean boxing, which, you know, considering how good his grappling is, I'll take some clean boxing on the feet. Um, I'm not sure how many fights he has left in him, uh, but I do like that they gave him somebody like Eric, right? They didn't give him a 15-0 killer that you've never heard of that they're trying to build a name right? And they say, oh, give him Jim Miller. Everybody knows who Jim is. He'll blow through Jim. And then now he's, they didn't do that. They gave him, you know, they gave him a prospect for sure, but you know, they're almost using Jim to gauge. Well, how good is Eric? We're not sure if he can beat Jim, then he's pretty good. If not, then he's not quite ready just yet. And, and I don't mind that for Jim, right? He wants to fight. He's going to keep fighting. He's not going to be vying for a belt anytime soon. 
but he's tough and good. And, you know, you don't want to destroy him just yet by throwing killers at him to build a name. So Eric Gonzalez is a long striker who uses his range pretty well. Um, he likes to pick you apart from the distance and keep you there with long front kicks and teep kicks. He will throw a ton of kicks, a ton of kicks, and sort of keep you at range with those kicks. Then his fighting style, he'll take two steps back and then lean forward and throw a crazy long jab. It's it's odd, honestly, when you watch it. It's a very odd style. He always looks like he's retreating. And then he'll you know, jump back in and throw a punch. Or as he's backing up, he'll throw one of those really long teep kicks. So he does like range a lot. He does manage it pretty well when he can. But when he can't manage the distance, he gets very uncomfortable. And he doesn't really have an answer for it. Uh, honestly, I think this is a pretty straightforward fight. Or at least the paths are pretty straightforward. If Eric can keep the distance, he'll touch up Jim Miller. He should be the better striker than Jim Miller, especially on the outside. But Jim Miller, veteran, tough, been in, a, in, I don't know, you do that math, 30, 48 fights. 48 fights. He knows what he needs to do. And that's get in Eric Gonzalez's face, get rid of any of the range, any of the distance, stay there, make it dirty, make it ugly, grind him against the cage, get one of those mediocre takedowns, and then work him on the ground. So, you know, you know, Eric Gonzalez isn't 100% clueless on the ground, but you, you can't compare these two on the ground. And, you know, I, I hate to pick an old Jim Miller whose chin hasn't been amazing, doesn't have awesome striking. But, you know, th this, this matchup, I just think it's a good matchup for Jim. I really do. I mean, he just needs to close the distance, get rid of the range, and then from there, he should have Eric uncomfortable and, and make something happen. So, you know... He is a favorite, a big favorite. Vegas is onto it. They're onto the game plans. They're onto the paths. And honestly, I think these odds are, are probably pretty accurate. Jim is older. He's pretty close to 40. You know, Eric hits him with one of these teep kicks, one of these head kicks, and, and that's going to be it for Jim Miller. He'll be out. So I'm not questioning who's going to win because Jim Miller's going to win. I, I am struggling with, do I think Jim Miller can get a finish? Because if I think Jim can get a finish, then maybe Jim Miller inside the distance. I just don't know if he can. We'll see. Honestly, I'll probably wait till weigh-ins, make a judgment there, see what that looks like. But I'll tell you right now, I love Jim Miller at $8,700. I would love him even more if he was an underdog. But I love Jim Miller at $8,700. I do think there'll be takedown, control time, potentially a submission. So Jim Miller, $8,700, probably pretty good play. Uh, and I like the more and more with monkey knife fight. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if there'll be a stoppage, but I imagine this will be somewhat busy. You know, honestly, I, I see Jim getting over the 61. It's the 54 from Eric. That's questionable because of the backing up, throw one punch, throw only one kick. And then one other kick. If you think it goes the distance, he'll get, he'll probably get over the 54. If you think there's a stoppage here, then you got to go to the last, but I, I do like the more for Jim. He is busy with his striking. He will come forward. He's busy on the ground to set things up. So, you know, where Eric may get off some shots that he wouldn't normally is when Jim's trying to do one of those takedowns and he's just beating up the side of his head. So more and more of Monkey Knight fights, probably a safe play. I don't know if I'm going to touch that. I do like Jim Miller in this fight. I love him at $8,700. I'll be experimenting with the prop bets. Let me know what you guys think, what prop bets you like. And make sure you go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Jump into a promo. We have up to 
$2,500 deposit matches. You put in $2,500, they'll match $2,500. Actually, they match more because they do 125% match up to $2,500. Either way, this is a pretty straightforward fight for a guy that has earned himself a pretty straightforward fight at this point in his career. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have the co-main event of the evening, and we have another tried-and-true, gritty, old-school veteran, Andre Olofsky. Andre Olofsky, 31-23-2 and and in his last five. He's got himself a nice little body of work. In At 42 years old, he's still getting wins over prospects. Carlos Felipe, 11-1 and overall, 4-1 and in his last five. I imagine everybody at this point knows who Andre Olofsky is. But in case you don't, he's a straight-up legend, former heavyweight champion of the world, future Hall of Famer, and one of the most accomplished uh, heavyweights uh, in the history of the UFC. He's got very, very good boxing. He's got pretty good kicks. And as of late, he's started to showcase his grappling and his cardio and his just wrestling abilities, right? He's using more of the tools that he's had. He's not only leaning on uh, his striking and his power. He does still have power. We're not seeing it as much because I, I think he's aged well. He's understood my chin isn't what it has been. So let me dance around a bit. Let me pick my shots. Let me use some of this wrestling. Let me use some grappling. And let me just be a more versatile fighter instead of leaning on the power. So Andre Olofsky not going to get into a firefight as much as we've seen him in the past, but certainly can dance himself around to a nice decision win. You know, obviously he's 42 years old. And the big question is how bad or how good is his chin? We, we saw it slip. There's a period in time where we saw his chin was really bad. And then it seems to have been recovering quite well. And honestly, I don't know how he's getting older and his chin is getting a little better. Uh, we saw that in his last fight. He got tagged a few times and just kept coming. Didn't get put out. Things were okay. Um, uh, man, it's just such a tough fight. This is this is harder than you would imagine uh, to pick this fight because Andre Lofsky's 42 years old and the favorite where Carlos Felipe, 11 and 1. We've only seen the guy lose one time. He's younger. He's almost 20 years younger. He's like 15 years younger than Andre Olofsky. He's a very good boxer. I think the big issue here is he only has okay power. He doesn't have big power. His power is just okay, but he does have really good cardio uh, and a really good pace for heavyweight. He doesn't throw a lot of kicks. He isn't looking to grapple, uh, and he's pretty straight, you know, pretty straight up a boxer. So it's pretty straightforward what his game plan is going to be, and that's just a lot of volume, good amount of strikes with his hands, touch up Andre as much as possible. He's not going to do much from there, meaning he's not going to drop down to a single. He's not going to push him up against the cage. Uh, the reason he can be trouble, even though he doesn't have a lot of power, is because he'll just continue to come forward. He'll throw with good volume, and he'll keep a really good pace. If you start to fall behind, you're going to have some trouble catching back up because of the volume, because of his forward pressure, and because of that pace, unless you do what Spivak did, which is implement a wrestling game plan. So Carlos Felipe, more of a boxer than a full uh, well-rounded MMA fighter, but young, Good cardio. He he himself has a good chin and just a solid, solid pace that some struggle to keep up with. Andre Olofsky, though, has always had good cardio. He's never had pacing issues. This is a harder fight to pick than you would assume. Andre, 42. He lost 
a good amount of his KO power. He's still got it, but he's lost a good amount of it. I don't even know if it matters because his footwork, his jab is so good that he doesn't even need to lean on the on the big one punch or the big power inside the inside the pocket. He can stick and move for a boring 15-minute heavyweight clinic uh, and just continue to make his record better. You know, Carlos, younger, crazy volume, and that is a bit scary, but because he doesn't have all that power, I don't know how dangerous he actually is. So Andre Olofsky's the pick. I'm doing it reluctantly because he is 42. At some point, he's going to look 42. And honestly, when he was 35, he looked 42. That's when he started to really fade and get knocked out. And then he's had this resurgence. And he changed up his style, bounces around a bit more, doesn't engage in you know, uh, pocket exchanges. But if Andre Lofty's going to come out there, use the veteran savvy, dance around, sort of have a, a boring kickboxing match, I think it's a somewhat easy win for him. He can initiate the grappling if he wants. And he can win from there. I like Andre Olofsky in this fight. And it's just weird to say that about a 42-year-old. I don't know if I'm going to bet on him. Uh, and $8,200 is a good price in DraftKings. But this could literally just be a sort of low touch-and-go kickboxing match that won't score a lot of points because straight-up strikes don't score a ton. You need a lot of them, and you need some other exchanges. But Andre watched Spivak take Carlos down, and maybe that's what he'll do. So $8,200 probably a good play. I don't think Andre's going to lose, so I'm pretty confident he'll win. And obviously the name of the game is scoring as many points as you can. And more often than not, that's with mostly winners. So 8200 bucks, he's probably a good play. Carlos Felipe is going to have more volume. He's just the busier guy. But if Andre moves well enough, you know he might be able to keep uh, Carlos Felipe under that 75 and a half. More and more is probably the play on the monkey knife fight line because I do think it is a three-round boxing match, if you will. Maybe there's a grappling exchange. If there is, that's on the Andre side, which would slow down the 75 and a half for Carlos. But I think more and more is the play. I think they'll go at it. I mean, look at Parker Porter's last fight and the amount of strikes. Actually, Parker's last two fights, he set records for the most amount of strikes. And those are two heavyweights, similar styles to these guys. So I think the more and more is probably the safe play here. DraftKings also probably a safe play. Andre Olofsky is the pick, and maybe I'm crazy, and maybe Saturday night I'm going to be like, why the hell did I pick a 42-year-old man who has been fighting for more than 20 years? How could I have done that? I'm an idiot. So we'll see. Hopefully I'm not saying that, but styles make fights. Andre's bouncing around, dancing, in and out, new striking style that he's developed over the last few years. Should work well with, uh, you know, a powerless Carlos Felipe. Next up at UFC Vegas 40, we have the main event of the evening. We have Aspen Ladd versus Norma Dumont. Aspen Ladd, 9-1 and one overall, 4-1 and one in her last five. Norma Dumont, 6-1 and one overall, also 4-1 and one in her last five. And this is a fun matchup. This fight is at 145 pounds. Two weeks ago. Aspen Ladd missed weight at 135 pounds. She had her period, which I, I know people are dragging her for that, but if you watched our breakdown video, I have coached wrestling for a very long time. I've coached females. I watched one of my wrestlers step on the scale at our gym. She had her period. Step on her scale at our gym was like a half a pound over or something like that. We got in the bus. 
chewing Skittles and spitting, right? Develop some saliva, spit it in the in the bottle, an hour, two hours, whatever the bus ride was, plus get on the scale at their gym. She gained a pound and a half, and it was our scale that we just brought from our gym to their gym. So I am not a lady doctor by any means, but I have seen with my own eyes what that could do to cutting weight. So I'm not going to drag her. Anyway, missed weight two weeks ago. She's now back up weight. Weight should not be an issue for this fight. Um, and the only reason she got the opportunity is because Holly Holm dropped out. So it's a weird main event that, uh, you know, luckily Aspen was training for a fight just two weeks ago. So she'll be in shape. Norma was training for Holly Holm. That dropped and she got herself an opponent. So it is an interesting matchup. Norma Dumont is very good on her feet. Very good on her feet. She's very relaxed. Very comfortable. Um, her striking is super technical. She has a 100% takedown defense, at least as of now. Uh, if you look at her strike differential, she lands about five strikes and takes less than three in return, which is very solid. If you compare that to Aspen, who is a bit wild, she essentially takes one to give one. So Aspen hits you, gets hit. Norma DeMont hits you five times, only gets hit three. And obviously, that, that's the stat that you would rather have under your belt. Uh, Norma's also got solid grappling. Her takedowns are not great, but if she does get to the ground, she is more than capable. Uh, Aspen Lad, we broke her down a few times because her fights keep getting booked, rebooked, booked, rebooked, but she still has not fought in two years. It is a two-year layoff. She does get wild. She's, she's just tough and gritty and crazy and just willing to win that fight at, at any, all costs. So she's not very technical, but again, super tough. And she is decent everywhere. She has zero quit in her whatsoever. And you could always count on her to bring the fight. Uh, this layoff was because she tore her ACL and her MCL, and it took her a full two years to fully recover from that and get some fights booked. And then a couple fights canceled for a few different reasons. And hopefully she will actually make the walk on this Saturday. Her one loss is because of a bad weight cut. Bad weight cut wasn't fully there. The weight cut won't be an issue here. But what is interesting about that one loss, we told this story before, is she vetoed it with the commission saying this is an early stoppage and challenged the commission. The commission heard the case and said, yeah, we should vote on this. And she lost the vote, but it was three to two, which means there were two people on that commission that said, you know what? I do think that was an early stoppage and I would be willing to overturn that. So that is really interesting. You do not see that very often. So you could, you could argue that Aspen is nine Oh and one either way, wild, tough, will do anything she has to do to win and weight should not be a factor in this fight. Therefore, cardio, cardio exhaustion, and none of that should be a factor. Um, I do like Norma in this fight though. I, Norma is my pick. Um, I've been very high on Aspen in the past, uh, but this is a different fight than those fights. Norma's a killer on her feet. She has great takedown defense. She will likely pick apart Aspen and then defend whatever takedown come her way uh, after winning, you know, winning the exchanges on her feet. I expect her to be much bigger. Aspen's coming up in weight. She's not small. You know, she was already big, but she is coming up in weight. Um, and I expect Norma to be super composed. So while Aspen will get wild and, and seemingly more wild as the fight goes on, Norma will stay composed, pick her apart. 
outstrike her, outtouch her, frustrate Aspen with the striking, and then frustrate her even more when she defends the takedowns. You know, the size, the technique, the long layoff for Aspen, it's a great recipe for Norma to dominate this fight, put her name out there. I don't think she's as uh, recognizable as she should be. I think a lot of people, and that's the uh, recognizable. You get my point. I don't think enough people really appreciate how good Norma Dumont is. Uh, you know, Aspen's got zero quit whatsoever, and that's a bit concerning here. Uh, but I do like Norma in this fight quite a bit. I already have a money line bet on Norma. I'll take that all day. Uh, I did have an over on the round bet because they messed up and they initially opened the round at two and a half, the round line at two and a half. So I hit that over immediately. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to go way past two and a half rounds. And then they canceled my bet. I said, what the hell? I refreshed. And now the round line is four and a half rounds. And I'm not going to do the over on that. So, because then if I was positive, then I would just do normal wins by decision, but I'm not positive. So anyway, money line on Norma Dumont. I like that very much. If that line keeps moving, I got her at, I think, even money. And it's already starting to move up, meaning I think she was like plus 110 or something like that earlier today. So I'm going to check the books. This is this is a fight where you might want to bounce between books and see where you can get a little bit better odds because a lot of people are on Aspen. And I think Norma's just not getting the respect she deserves. I think she should win. I think it should be pretty straightforward for her. And uh, I've got a money line bet on her. I may double down on that. Uh, if the line moves, I, I, will, I will most likely hit it again. We on picks.com slash bets. We have three different betting partners. Jump into all three of them. They have promos, deposit matches for all of them. Jump into all three. Find the best odds. Find the best, you know, find the best prop that you like. And play them all. There's no reason you should have all your eggs in one sportsbook basket. They all have different odds. They all have different pros and cons. They all have different bets, parlay abilities, etc. Jump in, spread the wealth, and make it happen. Norma Dumont will be in my DraftKings lineup. The Monkey Knife Fight line, I don't know what I'm doing with that. Aspen's is just so freaking high. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that. So I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to give you any advice there because I don't want to be held accountable for that. But I do like Norma. I will be betting on her. Thank you very, very much for the watch and do all the things like subscribe, share. Thank you very much. I'll see you on Saturday.